This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Episode 33, Series 8. It's Wednesday morning. It was meant to be Tuesday morning, but I got the text from Craig Hutchison as I walked into the studio yesterday. Sorry, man, I've got a board meeting. Hachi, I've got a theory. I look down the screen. You're in a hotel in New York. I think it's in one of your favourite parts of New York, the West Village. I've got a theory. You were at a bar last night, rather than a board meeting, about to watch Aaron Rodgers play his first game as a Jet. I'm not having any other answer other than that being the outcome. <laughs> Hello, Damo. Nice to see you down the line. No, I wasn't at a... Uh... At a bar, unfortunately, I only caught about. I actually missed Darren Rogers' injury. I I missed most of the game. I had meetings most of the day and night yesterday. Very whirlwind two days here in New York. So you catch me on the back end on the on the uh, tail. So, but I did let you down last night. So I apologise for that. Whirlwind, Mind you, you deserved whirlwind. it after you gave me a, you, after you gave me a drive by in the uh, sliding doors last week, which you thought I didn't notice. So. Uh, <laughs> What, what did I do there? I did, a, I did give you a crack. What, well, you I, got your, on your high horse against uh, Hawthorne or something, and you said... No, nah, it wasn't Hawthorne. Yeah, it you, was something else, wasn't it? Um, are uh, you, you referenced me. Am I reading or watching? Yeah. Oh, of course, I wasn't I wasn't reading because the uh, column's got a little bit stale in recent years, but I... Well, you're uh, in, a, uh, in, in a minority if you weren't, so... Uh, well. <laughs> but I did have a lot of people send it to me, so thank you for that. That's right. But uh, uh, Don't say you've been in a whirlwind visage, a, vi- a visit to New York, because Hachi, I've got my spies over there. I know you're in a bar in, uh, let's go with Midtownish uh, Manhattan, and you, to your credit, and I appreciate that, when you did send me a video with uh, Blanksy and, and Oppie, and I think it was it Chief, was it, uh, over there as well, and you just made me feel really, really jealous where you were. But uh, unbeknownst to you, about half an hour later, I had two different people send me a photo of your good self in the the same bar with a TV crew filming your actions. Explain. No, I got four hours. I got four hours off on Sunday, which you knew I was going to do. Twelve till four Sunday was going to be my block. I went to the Smithfield Hotel, which regular listeners of the Sounding Boy would know that on twenty fifth and call it fifth is as good a TV experience as you can get in modern times. I know that the uh, nine TVs up at Riviera for NFL Sunday is no longer, but this you can get five or six TVs in your <laughs> in your gasp. Yeah. And had a had a crew and try to take a little break from life and it was magic. But then <laughs> actually got doorstop. So the local TV news, the oh, Channel Five News, New York, oh please, came into the bar unannounced, <laughs> and they were looking for vox pops of like hardcore New York Giants, <laughs> New York Jets fans on opening day, and they came and we looked like. You know the the bar slouchers who were sitting there at the front four dudes, and they interrupted the conversation to get grabs. I'm not buying so, this story, actually. I'm not. I've got. I'm going to get Jane and, and Courtney's here today too. We're going to send this vision out on uh, all this still out of, of you being interviewed in a New York bar with a massive old no, fashioned I, old school TV camera. I politely uh, refused to comment, <laughs> and but my mate, the chief. He was very happy to give some uh, Vox Pops about his love of the Giants. He's wearing the Giants cap, and lo and behold, yes, he made the edit demo. So in the uh, edits at night, he, he made the show, and there he was sitting there giving his view of the You've season. Be, you need to be careful, Hutchie. Even the first time I went to New York with you, 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 you weren't as big as you've become now. You weren't the media mogul, but people were still stopping you in New York at, at that stage. Uh, you can't go anywhere. I, I had two different people send me that photo from a different vantage point. The, the, and you know, having been in that role yourself, that you've written the scripts before you go to the bar. <laughs> so, as the television journal, you've actually written the line. You know, 
New York fans descended on a popular bar waiting for opening day to get going. They said it was great to have NFL back. And then they're going to just insert a grab of any token bloke at the bar. And it doesn't matter how many questions you answer. You know there's going to be a seven or eight second grab that gets inserted of insert any given flog who's excited about the day. So I wasn't going to be that person, Damo, to be fair. Oh. I think I've given I had four hours off for the trip, but that's all right. I wish you um, had a video. We would have got some mileage out of that uh, next week. Just before, we don't normally talk the specifics of any sport on this show, but... I, I missed it too yesterday. Um, it wasn't quite the start time of the, the uh, Jets game against the Bills, but it wasn't uh, too far in advance when we were meant to do our show yesterday. I caught up with it. Um, again, people started texting and tweeting and whatnot. Rogers went down in his first series as a Jet, as a 39-year-old yeah. massive recruit and the person who was meant to transform the entire team and maybe City. Well, it's been 12 years of pain for the Jets. They've got finally got a $40 million superstar quarterback. They've done a hard knock series, which has been well received. They've opened the club up for media, and they've got Aaron Rodgers in the door, who's you know a legitimate rock star. And it was nine eleven on the day, so it was an emotive day in New York. He runs out through a, a cavalcade of uh, players and fans and, and the American flag, I assume, saw in, in the American flag waving. Yeah, and they, those that were there say that MetLife Stadium has never been louder or more emotive ever. And he lasted four plays, and the season's over. So, um, you know, just absolute carnage for New York Jets fans who've waited so such a long time to be relevant, and then they lasted four plays of relevancy, and now they're back in the pack. But they end up winning the game with a punt return. So, just shows you. And um, yeah, it was really um, moving to be here for the nine eleven anniversary, twenty two years, and to read some of the stories and to see some of the reflections and to hear the emotion in the city. I can't actually, I don't think I've ever been here on one of the anniversary days before in September. So it was nice to see it and experience it and it still lives very true. And there's you know, a lot of the reflective stories are you know hard to get your head around. So um, well done to everyone involved for the way they, they paid their respects on the day, Damo. But it, it was, it's good to have NFL back. And um, last week I had two days in Vegas, saw one of the Perth Wildcats games only, but Perth played the Ignite series against the, um, best young talent in the country in front of the eyes of the NBA scouts. And in Perth, we've got a legitimate number one draft pick contender in the NBA on our hands, and Alex Saar, who's really who was the talk. Yeah, he was the talk of the eighteen-year-old um, French kid who played magnificently. Wonderful kid, played at twenty-six and ten on Friday night. Um, he's touted, but anywhere between three and five in on NBA TV today and yesterday and there was a case in Sports Illustrated today here that of why he should be the number one pick so not to put any pressure on him but it's going to be very exciting to have him in Perth Colours demo this summer so that was pretty cool as well. Yeah nice. Hey how's your uh, behaviour been on the on the planes? You uh, relayed a story last or maybe two weeks ago which did resonate with a few listeners how you knocked over the orange juice on the armrest you're an armrest uh, rodeo rider from way back and how you negotiate you through through those moments. The the planes over in New York maybe just a little bit Bigger, maybe sometimes a little bit more room than maybe Australian planes. How have you been on the on the in the air? And domestic flying here is just brutal, isn't it? Like it's the security in the states and getting around and moving and getting through airports is getting harder and harder. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the, in the armrest in the states, Damon, concede defeat. Don't try and take different strategy for American and Australia. Australia, you can be a bit more combative. I think you've got to be a bit more subservient. You don't know who you see in the States on a plane. Hey, um, Did you see you, Bailey Smith over there? I saw Bailey Smith, um, Herald Sun reporting Bailey Smith was in New York last week. Oh, Did you, you see it? 
there was an apology to that, though, wasn't there? That he wasn't here in the end. No, but I, he was... I, I read that he was in the Herald Sun. That, but then, yeah, there you go. But then the whereabouts were cleared up some week, some days later. Well, the whereabouts have been revealed after, hey. the, only after the staff writers, uh, yeah, made some inquiries, Hachi. By the way, you know, I'm largely disinterested in your sources obsession. <laughs> All right, so you, you get two or three minutes out of this per episode and I roll my eyes and wait for the next segment to roll around, generally. But... Well, it's, well, it started off with the 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 almost ubiquitous quote from someone in the Herald Sun who Even... doesn't have a name. It's either he or she doesn't have a name, but they're always the most beautifully crafted quotes that summarise the issue that people are, uh, want to get worked up about. So yep. that's where it started. As always, an insider said or a source said or a club official said, but they don't exist, Hutchie. They're just beautiful quotes from people that don't exist. It's extended into the and age, now... though. It's into the age, though, now, and the SMH, I'd imagine where they now need to, clearly, and we explained this a couple of episodes ago, what is going on there. They are required now, all journalists, no matter how experienced or inexperienced you are, you need to reference in your copy the attribution to the source. And we've seen all sorts of explanations. We had Peter Ryan, who doesn't need any requirement in my eyes to to tell me who he's quoting and who he's referring to and why he's writing the story. I see Peter Ryan's name, I know it's right. But there were five different, quite out out there references to various uses of sources. And what have you got for us today? This was sent to us on our Twitter feed, and I wanted to give it the appropriate recognition. So uh, John Sylvester, who is the doyen of crime reporting in Australia, sly of the underworld, he's, yep. there's never been anyone bigger or better. And, and he doesn't crime... need to explain his sources to me, Hutchie. You see a John Sylvester name, you see a crime so, story, you know it's right. So I would put sly in the rascal sort of category who's such a big deal that he would be rolling his eyes at management going, turn it up. I've been writing about crims for 40 years. If I say they did it, they did it. If I say <laughs> they didn't do it, they didn't do it. And I don't need to be like you know, double referencing my sources. So he's written this on September 8 in the age, Judy Moran, a fading underworld matriarch, or maybe just a myth. Now tell me when you hear this reference in paragraph two, did he A, minute to go in the paper, <laughs> tongue in cheek, did he B, write it to try and make the subs laugh, knowing they'd correct it? Or C, none of the above? This is his story, Damo. Underworld author turned killer turned inmate. Judy Moran is two-thirds of the way through her murder sentence, but at 78 with failing health, she is unlikely to ever see the other side of this prison wall, of the prison walls. Second paragraph. A prison source not authorised to speak to baggy-ass reporters, told us, quite unquote. <laughs> he's pretty far these days. <laughs> I reckon she's on her last lap. Hang on, that, that made the print. That, that made, made the official the copy. <laughs> that made the age, Damon. I don't know John Sylvester at all well, Hutchie, like others do around town, but I think he's got a sense of humour. So, so that would be part of the filing of that. Is he mocking... The age? Is he mocking Judy Moran? Is he mocking himself? No. Did he do it to make the subs laugh? What is your theory here, Damo? You are the, the king of the sources attribution. <laughs> well, if you're telling me that made the paper, I'm just trying to layer this with what I think I know about John and the requirements. I think he's taking the P155. Yeah, I, I think you might be uh, having a laugh at the whole situation too. Hey, is... I want to get to – um. sorry, you go. I was going to say, is is um is our man Mitch Cleary taking the uh, the same dose too? He's doing walk and talks with uh, fellow Channel Seven people before a <laughs> match. Gaji, this was extraordinary. I missed it. I missed it. I don't know how I missed it, but I missed it. But people sent it to me. Oh, we're just going to play a sample of it now. It's a walk and talk. Mitch Cleary speaking with Brian Taylor before one of the finals last week. 
And I'm joined by the star of the seven commentary team, Brian Taylor. BT, less than an hour until players will start to arrive here in the rooms. What's the first port of call for the players? Well, I guess today when they arrive here, it's action day. It's not a learning environment here. You know, it's, it's more of a do day. They've learnt all they can learn during the week. So, Damo, where did he need to be, Brian? Like, <laughs> normally, when you're, normally when you're the journalist, you're interviewing <laughs> someone, a player, they've got to be somewhere else and they're giving you a minute or two of their time. Brian was working for the next four hours for the camera that was filming him. Yes. Why was he walking? Why was he walking away from the camera? <laughs> well, that he's paid to work for for the next four hours. Well, it was quite well crafted, and they and they timed it so well. They started in the dressing rooms, and they went out the dressing rooms, round to the left, and then up the ramp, and they then timed it, whatever it was, one minute forty, two minutes fifteen, whatever it was. You used to work in those time frames for your crosses, but they, by the time they got up the ramp onto the grass, Mitch had timed it to perfection. Well, thank you for your time, Brian, and uh, we'll see you tonight on tonight's <laughs> coverage. So. Yeah, I'll see you in three minutes when I'm throwing to you on the. Bounce. Yeah, that was uh, next level. And how's this, Damo? We're descending on Crown Melbourne, which is going to be the destination for footy finals, by the way. Get to Crown for all the entertainment, the sports figures, the media, all of our shows will be there. And on Monday, the 25th of September, how's this? You can join us as we broadcast live from midday. So we'll be recording live from midday. This is a sounding the board. Audio. We're doing the sounding board Sounding board. Live from Crown, live from midday. Uh, we'll be broadcasting from the audio hub in the Metropole Precinct next to Forever New. So get yourself to Crown on Monday, the 25th of September. Uh, it's a big day, of course. It's Brownlow Day too, by the way. So it'll be a wonderful afternoon at Crown. We'll be broadcasting from the audio hub in the Metropole Precinct next to Forever New live from noon. It's been an interesting few days for the media, hasn't it? Like, I've been watching from afar. Um, it's been a unique lens on the Braden Maynard situation, and I know it's been spoken about ad nauseum on every platform, so we don't offer much value to it other than perhaps taking a look from outside in the media side of things. Um, I've been fascinated watching from a distance because I don't remember seeing an issue where so many people were so defiantly angry about their opinion, and you were either one side or the other. Mm. Um, it felt like there was a lot of selective leaking going on with Melbourne and their batch of journalists filling in their view of the racial situation, and then Collingwood and their batch of journalists. People really took defiant stance on either end. Um, I saw that um, Caro was critical of Braden Maynard turning up with uh, the – bottle of wine and the flowers, but I, I suspect no one carries you to be angry if he didn't reach out and say anything. Um, <laughs> it was That's true, actually. <laughs> you had um, Kane just obsessed with his view. You had – like it, it was a really um, unique emotive issue where people had such – and then there was a lot of – so that, and they were all the objective commentators. Then you got some really blinkered commentary from people who were um, – highly influenced by those they talk to or the sources they have at either club. Um, I don't remember seeing anything as polarising as this. No, we lost, um, we lost our minds, Hutchie, to be honest with you. We lost our minds on it. It was crazy, wasn't it? It was crazy. I mean, again, if you took the emotion out of it, and I know I know you can't at, at times, but if you took it out, I, I had the same view. And, and, and that same column you referred to, Hutchie, which uh, I do file on Friday mornings, again, I'm only raising this. I didn't deviate off what I thought. I thought it was a footy act, and I thought he'd get off. I thought he'd have to go through an appeals tribunal to get off. Ultimately, we're talking on the morning after the night before the, where the actual tribunal itself dismissed it, after the AFL itself put it up to the tribunal. But 
I just saw it as a footy accident, Hutchie, and we play a brutal combat sport promoted as such. And while I understand and are cognizant of, of all the issues and the messaging and the, the behaviours that need to go into it when it comes to head knocks, there are accidents in it. We've seen Alir Alir and teammate Lockie Jones effectively knock each other out. That's an accident. We saw Gary Rowan knock your teammate in, in Jeremy Cameron out. That's an accident. This was an opponent on an opponent. It's an accident, though, in my eyes. And that was my eyes. That was my view on Thursday night. It was my view Friday morning. It's my view today, Wednesday. I, I think people change their views based upon the emotion attached to it over the five days. Yeah, my view for what it's worth, and no one cares anymore anyway, but from a distance, my view is, A, tick the water, Braden Maynard, so I'm happy for him that he can play. Um, I feel very sorry for Angus Brayshaw because he's such a first-class guy. Um, parking those two things to the left, as you would say, I thought it deserved three weeks. I thought it was it's your obligation not to hit someone in the head if you take the ball out of it. Uh, I heard the observation from someone that said it was your mother standing there. You'd have made more effort to, to to couch or be careful and not follow through the contact. I sort of subscribe to that theory. But, but, but how, how do you subscribe though. to that, Hutchie? How do you subscribe to that? Because I, I had a conversation with Joe Montagna about that yesterday at a, at a Triple M function, and, and he, he actually said, well, why compete then? That, that, you cannot put that lens on it because yeah. if, you, if you want to put that lens on you can put that lens on every single act. So that's, that to me is an irrelevant part of this. We, so once the ball's what, bounced, what there's a, a competition component to it. You're not yeah, doing your, you're not about to bump your mother and you're not about to bump a teammate. So let me perhaps be the first person to offer this. Um, that's my, my view was it deserves three weeks, but I can respect and understand the counter view. Mm. It's not like there's there's two clear ways to look at this. The rules have never contemplated or allowed for the possibility of it happening. And before you go any further with that, Hutchie, I, I do too, that my strong view was he deserved to get off, and that is my strong view. Equally, I respect the fact the AFL, through Laura Kane, put it up to the tribunal, and I respect your view that it should be three weeks as well. I'm not as worked up over some that it had to be black or white in, in its outcome and, and, and that the other answer was wrong in, the, in those people's eyes. I, I hear what you're saying, and had it been three weeks, I could live with it if that was going to be the blueprint for the, the rest of the competition forevermore. But, yeah, keep going. And then on the apology, like, he he clearly had full remorse. He clearly didn't uh, – made a half a split-second decision that wasn't a great one in my mind. But you, even if you do think it was an accident, that's okay. Um, he was generally remorseful, sorry. Um, just probably misread the room a little bit, turning up at the house. Like, it was probably a bridge too far. Like, you, your phone, you leave a message – I think your home is probably your private space. And if you're having a concussion-affected day, you probably don't need the person that did it turning up at the door. And you kind of have to let them in, even though you've, you know, like, and I've, I've probably been that guy myself in the past that's, you know, apologised too soon or too awkwardly. And so I, I kind of get these intentions were good, but it was a bit of an overreach. It was unlucky the others were there, to be fair. There's a relationship then, pre-existing. I mean, they went through junior yeah. footy together. So maybe he felt he had a right to, to do that. I'm with you on that. But again, it gets back to what we've now seen this year on multiple occasions. You need to be able to say to the tribunal, I, ha I am remorseful. And not am I only saying I'm remorseful, I've acted remorsefully. And we saw it with the Jordan Degoe uh, making contact with Elijah Hewitt of West Coast, and, and that became a key part of it. It mitigated it from whatever it was, four or three yep. weeks down, down to lesser sanctions. So 
there's an expectation the, um, now. You need to be able to say that and, and demonstrate it. I don't know the answer. I think uh, Tom Morris broke it on SEN, um, and I've been away. But if you had to frame a market on which camp leaked the house appearance on Saturday, Damo, would it be uh, A, Collingwood because they're motivated to show contrition or B, Melbourne because of the sheer volume of people that were there on the Melbourne end? Oh, well, I've been How told, do you think these things? I've been told by um, multiple people now that there, there were witnesses to it, Hutchie, of a, of a Melbourne footy club nature. So, I, again, I, I don't care for... You know, yep. you know me. I don't care for who who leaks stuff because everyone can go and get the story if they want. But I'd imagine if you're going to put the question to me in this program, I'd say fair to say it came from the Melbourne side of things. There's not no gain I wouldn't have thought for for Collingwood to to put it out there unless you've got a different view on that because it wasn't well received and that that's a fact. Yeah, no, I wasn't sure how you how you viewed it, but there you go. So yeah, it's a and I, I suspect um, most much of what we're saying is redundant because by the time. This podcast drops. There's a higher potential for an appeal and another chapter in this. Which well, I don't know whether this should um, be. Again, we'll, we'll time code it. I can see the clock here. Eight thirty-seven a.m. Yep. Uh, Wednesday morning. Oh, they, got it. They, they, they must appeal. They have no choice but to appeal the AFL. Well, I don't think they're, they're moral right. bound to appeal. No, they're, they're, under their own system, Sachi, there's three independent bodies. You've got the independent match review office. You've got the independent tribunal and the independent appeals tribunal. And I emphasise the in- word independent there because they're not independent because we saw the AFL itself through Laura Kane and the operations of footy. And I'm all for this. I feel in the future the AFL should own all decisions and not basically hire them out to consultants. But she chose to take this to the tribunal. I don't think you get through two throws at the stumps as captain in your own system. So so the match review office didn't want to take it to the tribunal. And the tribunal, after having it put to it, also said, go away. We we, we think there's nothing to see here. Braden Maynard's free. I don't think you can take it to a third time in your own system as captain, Hutch. That's just my view on that. I I do, and I would if I was. I think Laura and Andrew and... They're going to be a regime of their own, and this would be another step in that. Well, well, if they do, step. if they do, if they do, they need to immediately then just just disband the match review office, disband the tribunal, and disband the appeals tribunal because because that's and and you know what I've been arguing for that to be the case for some time. I, I feel the AFL itself, whether it's Laura Kane in the future or someone else in AFL operations, needs to own the de, the decision making in all of these aspects. I've all, I've long wanted that, but you can't have that and then have the three independent bodies as well. The um. Yeah, I think it'll it'll definitely end up at the. Well, that's my view that they'll that they'll appeal, and it would be a, a step towards a rule change. Like you can't imagine this rule isn't tightened from here on. To like they've had rules for the bump, rules for the tackle, but clearly haven't had a rule strong enough to stand up against the smother. Uh, that will have to get tightened. Hmm. Hey, Damo, a question for you: the chairman's lounge. <laughs> yep. The chairman's lounge at Qantas, right? You'd be a member, wouldn't you? I'm not. To be for the sake of transparency, I am not. For the sake of further transparency, I couldn't promise you that if I was offered a role in the Chairman's Club that I wouldn't say yes immediately. <laughs> Let's park both of those things to the left for the moment. People lose their minds with flight access. The People are obsessed with upgrades. We've seen it in AFL footy, the clamouring for upgrades and all these things over the years. We've seen it in sport. People lose their mind about their social status and how they um, – how they get themselves into business or first class. And we've, you and I have witnessed a bit of behaviour along the way, which we'll come back to. <laughs> we'll come back to it in a minute. Uh, I get that, Hutchie. I mean, tell I, mean me this. I don't travel anywhere. In fact, I hardly travel anymore and it's beautiful. But I went through many periods of my life where you travel sometimes three, four times a week. I don't know anyone 
other than you who's, who travels more. But you, you can get caught up in it, can't you? Because it, there is a sense of privilege if you're doing it every day. Well, these days it's impossible to – you can only fly economy because of cost and you've got to hope that your points kick in for business or premium or whatever you can, the best you can do because it's just too expensive to fly. But the Chairman's Lounge is one of the most mythical um, – aspirational things in Australian business life. And it has largely been untouched in media coverage, I feel, until now with Qantas. I think part of the reason for that is some of the leading editors or media owners would be, I assume, Chairman's Lounge figures who give it a no, don't for whatever sake write about that because we don't need any scrutiny on what's going on behind that door. I can can confirm that aspect of it, Hutchie. There are several high-end and even down-the-rung media people who have been members and are still members of said club. Are you going to name any? No, but you know what I normally go on and rant on and then I get into trouble for saying it, but I can confirm everything you've just said there. It's been a... Well, and every airline does it. This is not a Qantas thing. This is an every airline thing. But in Australia, Virgin got one as well. But it's been a well um, uh, orchestrated racket to <laughs> for those of power and influence to mingle with each other, uh, and for the airlines to create an environment where they can borrow from that power and vice versa. And there's a there's an almost unspoken trading relationship. Um, so I've been a bit fascinated by it as a and and so I read this yesterday. I was just interested in your views on this. There's a case going on in the High Court at the moment. Are you mm. across this? Yeah, I, I am. Yep, keep going though. The, the High Court's about to hand down its judgment in a landmark case regarding the long-running battle between the Qantas and the Transport Workers Union yep. over the sacking of 700 grand staff, right? Yep. So this is in the High Court. And guess what? And it's come the, up in, the people making the decision are? Well, it's come up in evidence how many, how many judges, how many high court judges do you think are Qantas Chairman's Club members? Well, I think if I've, read this, if I've read the same article as the one I believe you're referring to, and I can't believe you've raised this issue and not me today, but if it's the same article, Hutchie, all of them, all of you. Every all single of you. high court judge <laughs> is in on the racket. Yeah. Every single High Court judge is a Chairman's Lounge member, invitation only. And so they are going to sit in on judgment of the organisation that may or may not have done something improper with its workers. Well, it's going to get handed over, not because of this, by the way, but it's going to get handed over to the... Uh, Fed, oh, sorry, the Federal Court is separately considering (laughs) the ACCC's claim about the ghost flights. How many Federal Court judges are part of it? Well, it says some. It, says, it doesn't say all of you. It says some, yes. Some. And then you get down the line, Hutchie, and then you get the 23-year-old son of the Prime Minister who's managed to work his way into there as well, into that same club. How, how does that happen? And, and it's so – it's such a given that the – a spokesman for the High Court said that no objections of either party were raised oh, on this no. conflict. Of course not, yeah. In, in the sitting <laughs> – of course not. A legal a legal source uh, told the Herald Sun that <laughs> membership of the Qantas Club by a, by multiple members of the judiciary was a ticking time bomb. There you go. There's but, that quote I referred to, the anonymous quote, yeah. ticking time yeah. bomb. No one said it, but it's a ticking time bomb. But it's it's been such a given that it's never been thought to be raised by anybody. <laughs> Actually, welcome to high-end Australian business. 
Wow. Every well, judge. Well, it, well, just just transport that conflict with every other decision that's made in this country on any matter. It's the same. I, maybe I'm, I'm a bit naive on, on legal issues. I would have thought the one place of independence in Australia was the High Court. I've watched all these movies over the years where, okay, it's got to go to the High Court. That's the last bastion of yeah. you get an honest, once it gets there, you get an honest view. Yeah. You got every judge is a member of the Qantas Club on the nod. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm annoyed that you've raised this and not me because normally you would uh, call yep. me sceptical and cynical for doing it. Hey, we've talked about Qantas here. We, we, we need to, and you're, you're a far better storyteller than I am. Can, can you relay to our listeners this, this story we both know about or not? Is there enough? No, I, I, can you, I think you need I don't to. Wanna, no, I think I you, we've already talked about it. We've already talked about it a few I times. Don't, I, don't, I don't want to deal with the ramifications. <laughs> well, it involves Jay's brochure, <laughs> and it involves an email that he may or may not have sent to someone high up at Qantas at a time before Qantas was on the nose. <laughs> this is, this is your story to tell you. It is far in now. You might as well keep going. I can't tell stories you're, like you then, Hachi. You're, you're his turtle. <laughs> well, I, okay. I think James forecast for the rest of the nation that Qantas was not the organisation that we may have thought it once was. And he had reason to believe that. And he, he quite proudly to this day says he was onto it first. Should I no, stop? I th- Should I stop I mean, there? <laughs> yeah, and I think how I was going to, if forced to tell the story, was going to say an unnamed colleague of ours <laughs> on an unnamed airline. But since you've just led me off the tee with who it was and what the airline was, you've put me in a bit of a spot here to finish the story off. But well, finish he, it off because I've heard you tell the story boy. and you put your mayonnaise on it. You always put mayonnaise on every story, but I you tell a good one, ones. Ever told it publicly before, but I, he, think, I um, think we've discussed it on the sounding board. I think we have. I wouldn't have been game enough to do that, but since you've named the situation, I'm in a bit of a bit of a. No, he he had um, been a good contributor to uh, Qantas-related activities for a period of time, and um, uh, had a right had a assumed um, benefit that he would be upgraded in a manner that suited his status in life, and when the upgrade came through that. Got him into one class, but perhaps not to the <laughs> class. On a trip home, he decided, in a moment of um, candor, to offer some professional feedback via email, which <laughs> to, to which the, was well received the said, by the said organisation. The said the said power brokers, un, and then had twenty four hours in the air. At which point, the relationship between the airline and the network. <laughs> Blew up into an international incident in the space of 24 hours while I was in the air because he was so loved by them and them by him. And t- going into that said email, and the email may have landed on the wrong day in the wrong inbox. And by the time he landed, we were basically all escorted off the tarmac. That's a that's a rough summary of what happened, Damo, without getting into the specifics. Yep, and he's he was proven right, Hutchie. The airline's a mess. It was, yeah, it's no, a complete he, mess, and he was on it before anyone. He made a decision uh, in the midst of a, you know, you know, a disappointing uh, seat that he ended up with on a long flight back, which was only two C in business or something, and beneath his status that um, <laughs> he might sever ties with us in relationship, <laughs> and hit and he'd send emo- emotively uh, before. There's nothing worse than being in the air while all hell breaks loose around you. Um, anyway, that was your story, not mine. I just finished it, but yeah, it was 
It made, love him it made us laugh anyway, didn't it? And it still makes me laugh. He, his email, his email was tongue in cheek, but I'm not sure it landed as. Oh, I don't uh... think it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, let's move on. That might get us into trouble. Hey, uh, Sky News Australia, Hutchie. You know, I read the Australian media section on, on a Monday. I actually bought the Australian on the Monday. Uh, Sophie Ellsworth. Sky News Australia has begun legal action against RMIT Fact Lab, demanding the retraction of false fact-checking verdicts on the TV channel's online content and reimbursement for lost revenue. It goes into some detail. The fact checkers, though, Hutchie, my favourite people, the ones that I think we as a podcast brought to the attention of the general person around the country, that they uh, exist in a, in a little world where they uh, sit around and pick apart other people's in media's stories and views and then present their own take on that as, as the fact in life. And it's good to see them actually under some form of scrutiny, regardless oh, of I the actual really- contents of this latest one. I'm not getting into the specifics of this one. You're vindictive against the fact checkers, I reckon. You really are. Well, when they took a a 42-second organic conversation on the Sunday footy show one day and presented it as a fact-check source of content of something that actually was quite well-balanced, given it wasn't even on the running sheet and was asked on the run, um, they felt the need to fact-check something along those lines. Well, it's good to see the fact-checkers being fact-checked. And and, and interestingly enough, Hutchie, the international group, the international fact-checkers who can only authorise a (laughs) fact Um, check agency with the proper rubber stamp, which actually needs to be displayed on the website of the said organisation for uh, for right of process and how there's some dispute over the uh, the timing and the allowance of the official international fact checking agencies uh, imprimatur over such organisations. It's a, it's, it's yeah. an interesting space. I think we should offer the fact checkers an opportunity to join the program, Damo. I think it's time that we had a forum, do you? a fact checking forum of our own. Yep. How do you reckon we'd go? We, 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 we wouldn't last thirty three seconds. If, if the footy show got forty three seconds, we, we wouldn't last twenty two <laughs> seconds, would we? With some of the rubbish we tried out. I speaking of the footy show, I told you Tony Jones's verity is red hot. You it did. just continues to burn. You did. Yep. Hey, yeah, uh, we've got a glass jaw for the week. Here it is. Time for. This can't happen. Someone outside the tent's bagging us. <laughs> this is unacceptable. So, Damo, the glass jaw, the outgoing uh, Reserve Bank of Australia chairman, Philip Lowe, who famously said there'll be no interest rates rises. We've all gone and built our lives off until twenty twenty four. He said back in I think twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Yep. And then and then he's lifted seven interest rates in a row in like twelve. A rapid fire. Which 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 wasn't it twelve? 12 was it? And then wasn't it the 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 double whammy rate rises most times too? It wasn't just a quarter of a percent. It was a point five most of the times, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's stepping down, having actually uh, declared it'd all be right, and then copped us twelve twelve interest rates rates in a, in a row, whatever it was. And this was his. Glass jaw on the way out the door. Have a listen to this. And I know that some of my explanations have missed the mark, but the media has a responsibility here too. In my view, is that we'll get better outcomes if the public square is filled with facts and with nuanced and informed debate rather than vitriol, personal attacks and clickbait. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Just go now, off. Phil. Come on, Phil. <laughs> come when, on. When, when you're dealing with people's livelihoods, come on, they're Phil. living their mortgages, their grocery bills. And you tell them that in your opinion, as the person that sets the rates, 
there'll be nothing for, for till the 2024, and then you raise interest rates on them 12 times in a row. Uh, that's not clickbait, Phil. That's people going to cover that and say, what the hell happened? So, Phil, that is a shocking glass jaw from you, and I can't believe you're blaming the media on the way out the door, and your media relations as the RBA chairman. I think congratulations on the job you did overall, by the way. But No, no, I'm not, in, I'm not giving him congratulations. That's on you. It's not on the sounding board. I'm not giving congratulations. From a media relations point of view, <laughs> shocking, shocking. What's happened and to you today? You, you've you've brought this to the table. You, you've brought the high court judges to the table. That this is normally my domain, Hutchie. You normally tell me that I'm a skeptic and a cynic, and I've got to go and get a life. What's happened to you over there in yeah. New York? Do you think if if, if you're framing a market sports bet that Philip Lowe was a member of the Qantas? <laughs> uh, what what's your betting on that? We're gonna. We need to start this quarter club membership uh, thing. This is gonna become a theme for us, right? So, uh, my, my betting on Philip Lowe being uh, one. It's just. This is just my opinion. So, the, if the Fact Lab, the RMIT Fact Lab, wants yep. to um, critique what I'm about to say here, it's just my opinion. Fact Labbers, um, I think he'd be a dollar. Let's go with a dollar forty-five to be a member of the Quarters Club. So it's not a dollar ten. We're not talking winks odds in some races. We're talking dollar forty-five. Still very very short. There's an unnamed friend of mine who is a member of both airlines lounges. Really? And will remain unnamed. And I asked him how he had been able to achieve that feat. So you've narrowed it down to, a ma- to being a male. Okay. So you've narrowed it down. Yep. yep. And he said he spends an inordinate amount of time flying just the right number of averages per airline to, to be perceived to be an exclusive customer of that particular airline and not be noticed <laughs> on his volumes on the other side. Okay. So that's uh, how far people go. And there's a movie about this, isn't there, caught up in the air with George Clooney? Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe there is, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But it's, like, if you offer people upgrades versus cash, they, they like it's incredible how obsessed people are with where they sit on planes. Yep. Incredible. Hachi, just a couple of quick ones. We haven't touched on a, a couple of uh, acronyms that we've uh, had for a while. So there's taking out the trash, the T-O-T-T, and there's also the um, passive aggressive retweet. And uh, one of our listeners alerted me to a, a potential example of a PAR, passive aggressive retweet. It uh, revolved around a story that Sam McClure, apparently, I didn't see it live on the on the most recent Monday, said that Max Gorn had been playing through a broken toe on the on the program and then it was reported elsewhere again i don't know where it was reported it doesn't matter but the the passive aggressive retreat retweet possibility comes from footy on nine the day after someone else had, had reported on on max gorn's toe as reported by sam mcclure on footy classified last night max gorn has been playing through a broken toe there's a sense of passive aggressive retweeting there so i think there's a good <laughs> example thank you to that listener who highlighted that it's only a possibility yeah. um also to taking out the trash archie the term that you have been familiar with uh suggested to me that there was a reverse taking out the trash. I'll quickly set it up. The Cleveland, sorry, the um, Kansas City Chiefs don't like the Cincinnati Bengals. Is that, that's a fact, isn't it? There was that whole Burrowhead issue last year, Arrowhead Stadium, yep. when Burrowhead, Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the uh, for the Bengals, went over there and then Travis Kelsey told the Cincinnati mayor to, to know your role, shut your mouth, you jabroni. There was a reverse taking out the trash, according to one of our listeners, on the eve or in the, in the moments before the Kansas City Chiefs opened up the NFL season just gone on the Thursday night of last week, Thursday night football in the States. Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati quarterback, was announced by his club, the Bengals, to have signed the most lucrative deal in the history of the sport. And according to this listener... 
within half an hour of that Kansas City Chiefs opener, season opener to the year. He feels that is a reverse taking out the trash as a means to getting back to an enemy. I, I like it. I like the setup of it. I like the theory. Yeah, I am. Um, the timing is really interesting. It's the richest deal ever done in football history. It was announced ruthlessly close to the game. I suspected it was a little bit designed to not get too much media going into the game. And in the end, he, what, he threw for 62 yards or something, and the headlines the next day reverberated massively that, you know, he's what he's getting paid per yard or whatever it was. But it was it was a very poor game from someone who's become the highest paid player. But I, I suspect it was designed to bury its volume of coverage, Damo, is how I interpret it. Yep. You hadn't, um, not, you hadn't, not, you hadn't trained all, all pre-season either, by the way, Joe Burrow. So, yep. He'll take some time. Do we know? Uh, do you want question of the week? Time. We do. We're going to hit that now. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Vanessa Emerson, email. Have you noticed the different approaches taken by TV news crews to the doorstop interview? If it's an injured player heading into hospital for scans or surgery, they'll set up cameras, a respectful distance from the doorway, and the journos will ask questions standing beside the camera. However, if it's a player arriving at training who might have misbehaved over the weekend, it's everyone for themselves that the media scrum chases the player through the car park. The same approach is taken for an accused leaving court. Surely the media scrum approach isn't done just to manufacture drama. Come on, Vanessa. No, I think the, I think the more you perceive, the more you are perceived to have been a bad person, been a bad person, the greater the frenzy and attack generally is. Yep. And it does create the drama, the, the, the chase through the car park, which probably doesn't happen as much as it may have once upon a time did. It is still that vision, that news, that moving picture that, that carries the story regardless of uh, what is actually said or not said during the actual doorstop. And there's a, you're right, there's a more respectful distance for someone that perhaps might be uh, going through a tough time or have an injury. Yep. That was episode 33, series eight of The Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to The Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.